Indie Game Business has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all those speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. Hey everybody, I would say good morning. It's morning here on the East Coast and, and early morning for Dan over on the West Coast, but it's 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 night for our next guest. Jonathan Trouden is with us from Frameplay. Sorry, brain lost there. And so Jonathan's going to be talking to us about the evolution of advertising in games and where it goes from here, which is very important these days because as we all know, if we don't make money doing this, we don't get to keep doing this. And Jonathan's going to talk about what advertising isn't a bad thing and how it can be done to, you know, bring everybody together and benefit everyone. So with that, welcome to the event, Jonathan, and I will step out and let you roll. Good morning. And uh, thanks for having me here at the Indie Games Business Conference. Uh, and I will say yes, that it is, uh, the sun is just rising. So it is <laughs> very early here. Uh, my name is Jonathan Troughton. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Frameplay. And we specialize in intrinsic advertising uh, for the gaming industry. Today, uh, I wanted to talk about I guess where advertising is going and talk about uh, the growth of esports and advertising it because I think most people at the moment when they think of advertising they think of esports and how that uh, how that correlates to the industry but really we want to talk about um, I guess the growth of advertising in the general industry and the fact that esports alone is not going to be the driving factor for the advertising in the gaming industry and also the size of this. So I think we'll kick off there because esports is always uh, a popular topic with advertisers because at this stage, it's the only thing that they really understand. Uh, it has a lot of correlations uh, between the standard sports industry, which is mapped out and they can understand how uh, the teams and sponsorships generally work. Um, there's a lot of content that is uh, produced and relative to that environment and the broadcast and I guess you would say the digital measurement that they usually use for esports is very similar to what's already known. Uh, it's very similar to the sports industry in all the different formats. Obviously, there's a lot of sponsorships already going on there, but we want to point out why this growth in esports is also uh, really good for the rest of the gaming industry when we talk about advertising. So esports uh, popularity, obviously, everybody knows is growing. And if anyone's in this industry, something happened at the start of 2018. Uh, it just exploded gaming was everywhere and, and I understand given in the current environment that we're in there's definitely been a spotlight that has been focused on not just esports but gaming in general uh with the unfortunate circumstances around covid 
However, it was actually 2018 where it really, really kicked off into a different gear. Um, and these days we tend to see something in the headlines every day about esports, uh, whether it's uh, new teams, whether it's new games that are coming into it, whether new teams are getting funding. Uh, th there's always something that is going on right now. And obviously, since uh, all the major sports seasons that have been now been delayed, there's even been a growing focus on esports. Can brands can uh, that those dollars be shifted that would typically go down in the traditional sports realm? Can they be shifted into esports? So, um, there's been, uh, I guess, with the global esports market, we've got. I mean, I'm not sure if you can see, but I think I can see what you, you have on the screen there. Now, there's a projections out where it's going to go. Uh, this obviously is going to be uh, shifting relative to what is happening with the current coronavirus situation. There is going to be more. We're going to find it more of a catalyst effect and an accelerator towards the industry as a whole, but definitely towards esports. And I'll just go on to the next one. So, obviously, uh, we always talk about size of audiences, uh, especially in the advertising industry, because that, that's really where their dollars are going. Uh, investors or the advertisers who are actually investing their advertising dollars in the spaces, whether it be esports or traditional forms, are really looking at getting a return. Now, different mediums obviously have different styles of return, but the esports audience in itself is growing and has been growing for some time. And just uh, showing here, I guess you would say different different games that are, are going on at the moment with the, the audience bases that typically follow them. Uh, and a lot of people understand that uh, the esports audience, and, and this is relative to the industry, the esports audience is growing and it's growing at an exponential rate, but relative to the bigger gaming audience, the esports audience is still quite small. So as we go along this and we create more education around the space, we create more ability for uh, advertisers and brands to actually get into the game, whether they're going uh, in via an esports channel, whether they're actually being fully part of the game via intrinsic methods, is which we which we actually build, or if it's going into traditional forms that everybody's aware around, it's like interstitials and banners, then that's another way for the the brands to get in there, but. As it stands at the moment, in the US alone, there's 214 million uh, adults, mostly adults, who are playing games. So from a brand's perspective, uh, they're only just starting to understand now, and not just from a UA perspective, brands are starting to understand that the audience is actually of the age where it actually makes a difference. It actually means something. There's value there for them to engage in something that is not just a sponsorship deal from esports, but also how do we now get into the game? Uh, and how do we now be actually part of it, part of the experience? And what they're really recognizing now is that the actual gamer base is as important as esports if not more so important, if you want to try and reach the scale that they're trying to reach. So currently, if you look at uh, spending in the sectors, uh, esports is sitting around just under 200 million uh, in game in total. And when you look at this, it is actually accounting for a lot of UA is uh, around 
11 billion. But then when you start to jump out of just that realm and you jump into digital display, you start talking about what budgets can actually be brought into these environments if it's done right, if you have the right mechanisms, the right controls uh, and the right technology to really support the digital display budgets being funneled into games. And at the end of the day, like my core belief, and, and I mean, I grew up as as a gamer. I mean, die hard. I still, it's, to this day, it is is my fallback on what I want to do when I want to relax. I never want to see these experiences diminished. But as a developer and even to enhance experiences, you really want to be able to pull some of this digital display budget into games. Now, this can be a substantial passive revenue. It can be an aggressive strategy to monetize. But this is the size of the digital display budget that is now becoming available to the games industry. Obviously, online media, there's more budget again, but it shifts in, in how it actually, uh, I guess, integrates and works with gaming. Um, just jump on. So this is where we start to talk about uh, the different styles of advertising and shifting away from just thinking about esports sponsorship, you know, not just getting a logo on a t- on a t-shirt, not getting uh, some sponsored gear, something like this, and not having just a something like a, a placeholder over top of your screen. We actually want to talk about getting the creative, relative creative, relative to the game environment. So the creative is matching, it is uh, symbiotic in its nature to the environment that it's going in. We're talking about getting this into the game. So it's actually part of the experience uh, is what the the gamer gets to experience. It's it's not forced upon them. They can uh, interact, they can view it, they can continue on their game as they would. There's no disruption to their game. And whether that be... Uh, it can be video, whether it can be still images, where it can be animated uh, images, and we're moving towards objects. And we are very cognizant of the barriers that come along with uh, objects and customization for individual developers, because what we're trying to do is create extra revenue, create a uh, greater experience, but we don't want to pile on additional work. And I know uh, how all of us in our development queues and our sprint cycles, we have to go to battle every time we need to get something else added into that sprint. So we're not trying to make your lives harder. We're trying to make them easier and actually show a clear reason why you would be using something like this. And our technology supports uh, the, uh, the fully immersed pieces of creative. So I'll jump on to the next one. Um, and this is where we start talking about with the technology we're doing. And if you refer back to, uh, I guess, the, the comment I made around the, the size of the display budget and how big it is and how we can actually bring that into uh, the gaming space and why, uh, you, you can't just pull a piece of uh, creative into a game. You can't go off your standard IAB. It doesn't work that way. The advertising industry also needs to learn that these game environments are pretty much sacred. Like we, we want to maintain the experience. We want to maintain the creative integrity that the developer had uh, when they were building, uh, when they was building this game. So 
they need to understand the environment, but they also need to make sure that it's brand safe relative to them. So there needs to be a lot of different controls and we build all of this in the background. But from a from a developer perspective, you need to understand this as well to, I guess, for it to be mutual, you need to understand that the brands do have these requirements around brand safety. Uh, they have, uh, I guess, a lot of requirements around measurement and transparency and it's about building trust. So as we go forward here, we're really trying to shepherd the uh, game developer and the advertiser through this corridor to make sure that they understand that there's, there's important points to both parties here that really need to be adhered to. Um, and that's, that's, we, we really take that on as being part of our job. Okay. So, Transparency, uh, transparency and measurement uh, in the ad industry are really fundamental. And I don't think we typically talk about those enough. Uh, developers need to understand that without these sorts of things, there is really no sort of investment from the advertising space. Um, and we focus on different things here. So we primarily focus on contextual targeting. Now, whether that be something, I think the examples up here are the genre game rating, age, sex, geo. Uh, th these are basic fundamental elements of contextual targeting. We obviously take a lot more to actually build a profile so the, uh, the advertisers understand that the environment that they're going into and that they can really uh, target the types of creative. Our system will then align the stylization of that creative relative to the environment that it's going in. But then beyond that, you start going to the behavioral targeting. And as everybody knows, like the recent developments with IDFA and the challenges that come with that, and it's likely that Google is going to follow suit and is going to do something similar. But there's still things like system IDs and IPs and emails and it everybody's uh, cognizant with the things that happened in the past with uh, elements around gamer privacy. And we take that at the utmost importance. We 100% want to make sure that we don't have any uh, issues with uh, any privacy. I think I skipped a slide as well. All right. um, and that's sort of where we go into, I guess you'd say each of the individual elements here. So the impression verification, understanding uh, when a piece of creative has actually been delivered into these environments. Now, whether or not this is going through anything like uh, Google integrations or going into uh, different various platforms in the background to actually confirm that this stuff has been delivered. Uh, when we've got audience verification, uh, that is actually just making sure it is being del delivered to somebody that was in line with the profiles that the uh, advertiser intended that creative to go to. We spoke about brand safety, uh, brand lift to understand the differences actually being made to the to the advertiser when they make this investment. What's my ROI? What, what are we actually getting out of this? It's not just deliver and that's good enough because if they're spending the money that we want to see come into this industry and actually uh, uplift it and, and set it in the right direction where ad monetization through F, like free-to-play mechanics is really profitable for everybody, not just your major studios. So things like brand lift uh, are very important. And obviously mentioned before the brand safety. Then we move into viewability. So viewability is 
really in depth for the advertiser to understand what the gamers saw, how they saw it, where they saw it, you know, how big was it, how long they saw it, all, like all of these elements plus a ton more to actually give credence and uh, validation and value to the advertiser. Now, this is what us as developers or game developers need to understand that these are all really important factors to the advertiser. At the end of the day, we do want them to be investing in our medium. So we need to understand that these are really important to them. Uh, and it's no longer for them uh, with the viewability space. It's not just for the game developers to do this. There is a lot of onus on the advertisers to learn and understand that this is no longer a 2D environment like web. These are 3D environments. And even though we do go into 2D games as well, these are 3D environments and we do provide the tools for the advertisers to completely understand what is happening in one of these 3D environments. So there is a learn, there's a learning portion for both the advertisers and a learning portion for uh, the game developers as well. And this uh, sort of takes me back into when we, I guess we're talking about the performance metrics because everybody starts thinking around, okay, well, these environments don't have a click. And of course they don't have a click because we're not going to be clicking on anything in these environments. We don't want to be uh, tricking people to exit the experience. We want them to stay inside that game experience. We want them to actually enjoy themselves. We want them to be retained. You're all thinking about retention ratio. So we need to make sure that we build this into the core loop mechanics to make sure that that retention stays in there. So there is no clicking. However, how do we provide that ability or that uh, accountability, verification, and uh, attribution for the brand advertisers, that's on us. We build this into the technology so that can be done without there being a click. I'll go on to the next one. Um, so uh, video game developers and players should expect ads. Okay. And they should expect measurement methods. Now with this, uh, we really uh, deploying a lot of time and resources and energy into making sure that these backend systems are doing all of this for you. So we can actually expect you to do uh, any of the work and changing any of your game flows or design flows to actually uh, accomplish these uh, measurement and viewability. We, we build this all into our technology because as we always say, the, technology or the experience or the ad creative or the ad should never interrupt interrupt or interfere with the experience and it should just be uh, more of a complementary effect and so what do we need to get this right and what do we need from uh, i guess game developers what do we need from advertisers uh to get this right there is really learning uh, back to my original point on both sides, uh, the in-game advertising inside the game really requires a new generation of measurement. And that is what we're, we're providing. That's what we're building. That's what we're always listening to the industry. It's what we listen to you for, to find and understand better ways to enhance, better ways to uh, optimize and profile our systems to make sure that they do run better on all platforms. Um, if you pick uh, if any of these companies that are currently, if you pick any of these 
companies are currently doing this. We always like to sort of ask, like, how, how are they increasing uh, the experience for you and the gamers? Uh, how are they helping you and assisting you with uh, moving forward and, and changing the way you can actually build your titles, changing the way you can, um, I guess, create and develop and chase what actually the idea and creative direction and dream you had for that title. Okay, so the key takeaways that I really want to, I guess, drive down here uh, is create a well-produced content that advertises value. I mean, that's a, that's a no-brainer. I think that's always uh, in in your mind as you're building a game. You're really building an experience. You're uh, you're actually building out what you envisaged, what your creative designs, dreams were. So, as brands are looking at these things, they're always looking at how go what's what's the experience that comes along with this because if you think of any brand exposure whether it be in traditional sports or when they're talking about esports they're looking for emotional reaction they're looking for experience so uh the creative feel the creative type the immersion everything a well-produced content and on both the advertiser side and the game side so it's not just the the game developers uh, owners to build a game that looks fantastic, but it's also on the advertiser to build creative that looks fantastic. Build creative that is, if you think of like circa reminiscent of the 60s, where they actually put a ton of effort into uh, the, the message. It was witty. It was funny. It looked fantastic. Uh, it wasn't just aerial font and a photo. We, we don't want to see that. We want to see a progression in this. We want to see really high quality ad creative coming into these game environments because we want to see it reflect the amount of work that the game developer did to build the game. So we want to see them doing the same amount of work on the ad creative. Um, we want to work with companies that know how to use the advertising industry's standard measures. Uh, and when you say that and when we want to work with them, you guys should really want to work with them too because if you don't partner with a company that understands all the requirements the company doesn't uh, measure up it doesn't have all the uh, key data points that are being uh, fed out back to the advertisers and back into the investment dollars they're not really going to understand the ROI if they don't have the data they don't have the signals they're not going to be able to invest the amount of money that we all want to see from brands coming into this space so creating um, really good creative on their part and they're doing the investment, we want to make sure and they want to make sure that they're getting all this information back. So make sure we're always, from a game developer perspective, make sure we're working with companies that understand what the standards are or they're doing better. Uh, and I think the fundamental one, and this has always been uh, just the underlying tone, is we do not want any of these monetization approaches. We do not want to take any of the advancements we're doing in the industry. We don't want to take any of the technology that we're building here. We do not want to disrupt the performance. We do not want to disrupt the experience, uh, but the overall gameplay environment, it needs to be conducive. We, we are really about the players. We're players ourselves. We've got to think about this when we're actually building this technology and we're integrating this, we want to make sure that we're building the experience that keeps people happy in this environment. We don't want to see what's happened to elements of the web where it's really just you're bombarded by things constantly popping up. Uh, you're bombarded by just 
the same thing everywhere. You really want to have a flowing, beautiful experience that we see in a lot of games and a, a lot of the, the indie developers, a lot of uh, even the major studios. We want to make sure that they all adhere to these principles that when we bring these ads into the games, that they need to be done right and they need to be done by people who actually care about the industry, who actually care about the player and the experience, that they're not just chasing a dollar. Because yes, the money is important for the developers, but if you don't have the players, you're not going to have anything. So, I mean, with that, I think that's about the end of my presentation. Uh, Jay, if you've got any questions. Oh, uh, we got several questions. <laughs> questions are good. So, Am I allowed coffee? What's that? Oh, yes. Coffee? Trust me. I've got mine too. And yeah, I mean, one, for... for I thought I thought you were on the other side of the world. I didn't realize until we got started that you were in San Francisco. So you're yeah, I'm in San Francisco. Yeah, like, <laughs> you can see the sun's coming up. So. You were like the sun's coming up, and I'm like, how the hell is that happening? You know, so um, <laughs> though 2020, you know, like you, yeah, expect, you expect this kind of stuff now. Very true. Yeah, uh, Joe uh, won the the shirt contest for the conference yesterday. She had a shirt on that said. 2020 with five stars and only one of them was filled in and, and it said very bad do not recommend and i'm like <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it so a lot of i mean ads have consistently gotten a bad rep mm -hmm. from any number of parts of the industry but those of us who do this for a living realize they're needed you're, you mean it's an absolute key part of your revenue stream it's just a matter of finding the right way to add them in yeah. so you don't look like you're running an advert game. What are some of the best practices that you've seen on the development side for preparing a game to get these ads integrated yeah. properly? Good, good question. So there's different approaches to this because obviously once you have uh, a title release, we work with titles that have already released. So it's around working with a developer and understanding the best placement. So with this obviously best placement practice, there's a lot of understanding around how you get the most out of, uh, I guess you would say a, a revenue practice because there's a lot to do with viewability. I, I, when I mentioned before, viewability is fundamentally important to the advertising industry. So you need to understand where these things are placed, what the uh, the spatial positioning, what the draw distance from the camera is to the rendered piece of creative. So there's there's a lot of these things. We work with studios to understand what those are. Now, that's if it's already in production, it's already been released. Now, if you're in pre-release or even better, if you are actually conceptualizing what your new game is going to be, we engage at that stage to actually uh, express from best practices positions, where you should be placing something, how uh, it should be engaged, where, how big it should be, how long it should be in screen. We can engage at the early design phases of this. So you're not building a game around the advertising per se. However, you are being cognizant of it that it is going to be uh, a solid revenue stream that is going to be something that you are going to align as one of your verticals of revenue. So it's not just IAP, but there is other things. So we can get it involved at different stages, but there is some best practices. We are continuously uh, trying to improve those. And, and don't get me wrong, we're not saying at all that uh, it's our way or the highway. We 100% uh, 
give that flexibility to the developer. We really want them to make all the decisions. We give them the tools, we give them the guidelines, but we don't say it has to be here or it has to do this. You know, if you want it to be dynamic, or if you want it to be static, or if you're building a procedurally generated game, uh, we have a multitude of approaches here because we did approach it from a, a game developer's perspective, a gamer's perspective. We wanted to make sure that the technology uh, gave you the capability and flexibility that was required. So from the advertiser standpoint, and this is an area of the industry where I don't, I have like this much experience. The, do they understand the intrinsic issues and, you know, the problems that go along with game development and esports, or is it just one of those, okay, you're just like, you're, you're another place we can put an ad. Yeah. So I would say when the conversation started around this, they 100% didn't understand because they just thought it was because at this point it was really esports was the thing that was making the noise in the industry. And for them, esports is an extension of traditional sports and traditional sports to them has limited measurement. It has just its basic fundamentals and they understood that, you know, this, these have been the standards that have been around for 30 years, 40 years. So that's what they tried to, to pigeonhole it and say, this is what it's going to be. But they didn't necessarily understand in the beginning, and they are now, they definitely, they are starting to shift. And obviously with the, uh, I guess you would say, uh, environment that we have uh, resulting from the coronavirus, they are far more open to understanding these environments because they're realizing like, oh my God, you mean to tell me that there's over two and a half billion people playing games? Wait a minute. And the average age is 34. How did this... How did this get past us? How are people spending as much time playing games as they are watching digital video online? And why is there such a big gap there? That's insane. So it's uh, it's really, it's actually nice to be part of uh, the industry when there's this big shift and revolution that's going on, especially on the ad side, but the game side of being able to provide the value that I can pull from the advertising industry give them value as well, but pull those dollars into the game space because it is something I love. So one of the big problems with, with esports is it's completely controlled by like five games. You know, <laughs> it's either Fortnite, yeah. uh, completely uh, Overwatch. CSGO. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or League of Legends and... <laughs> I can I can see how an advertiser can can you know wrap their head around a shooter you know it's like okay I'm running through a city cities might have ads to place to how do they wrap their heads around League of Legends you know it, it's like where do you where, well, where do you put your your, yeah, yeah, yeah. your normal I, I looking ad yeah well and this is the thing like we're not saying that intrinsic works on everything. And I do not want to be forcing this down the throat of any developers thinking, well, I have to monetize with this now because it's what everybody's doing. No, like if you're, if you're building a game that makes no sense for there to be an intrinsic ad system in there, I'm not trying to force this on you, but this is, uh, it does fit a lot. So it's not just your shooters. Uh, there's a ton of different categorization, whether it be racing, sports, a lot of casual can actually have this in instead of having uh, different variants of interstitial. Um, but if it's a fantasy game, 
and it's like two like two thousand years ago. I don't know. I don't really want to see uh, developers trying to push that in. It's not my wish. Uh, and like I said, this is not just for a dollar. This is to enhance and give more options to game developers to enhance the experience for players. Um, but yeah, uh, there is. I'm not going to say who, but it obviously is a, a large studio who's like, you know what? We're going to put we're going to put banners in a, everywhere. Yeah, we're going to put our banners in our competitive sports now. Um, so yeah, no, it's. But not. I mean, it can still be done. You know, through menus and, and things like that, yeah. you know, the leaderboard at the end, you don't necessarily have to brand that middle tower as the MasterCard tower, and now you've got to take it down. Well, you mean the Eye of Baltimore, basically. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> Just have the MasterCard logo. <laughs> you kind of have to think through Sorry, it. Sorry, MasterCard, I didn't mean to throw that on you. But, so, I mean... When I see all, and this is probably going to be some trouble somewhere, but I'm going to say it anyway because I, I don't care. When I see all of this money getting thrown into esports, hmm. to me, the correlation in, that we've even seen recently is with Universal and AMC theaters. So, Universal, somebody over there had the nerve and the guts to say, look, nobody's going to theaters. Let's launch Trolls World Tour at home for 20 bucks that you can rent, you know, for three days and we're just going to have to skip it. And AMC lost their mind and they were like, well, we're, you're never playing another universal movie in our theaters. And it was just all of this. And, and I read it and I looked at my wife and I went, does AMC understand where their content comes from? Because it's not like they're making their own movies. You know, it's, they have to rely on this. And we see so much esports revolve around these you know, four or five titles. And I talk to developers every day and they're like, we're building this for esports. Mm. How do the studios and the companies that aren't making Overwatch and League of Legends and Dota and, you know, all of the, the core games, how do they tap into that, you know, from the advertising side? Because they don't have yeah. all of it's a good point. It's, a, it's actually a very good point. And when you look at the revenue that, well, revenue, when you look at the sponsorships that are going into esports at the moment, uh, it's not your traditional. And I can tell you, like, I know of a lot of stuff that is pulling back there because they're not getting the the information, the details that they need, the data that they need from esports because uh, the size of the market is still, it's not big. It's not at the scale that traditional sports are at. And even though it is filling a gap at the moment, it's not the scale that traditional sports are at. But the dollars that are going into it still aren't quite the same, but they're still fairly high. So there, it, there's a bit of confusion from the advertising advertiser side about how to get into gaming and how to get into that, that space. Because when, you, when you're saying uh, if they're building titles, they're building new titles that are to, targeted towards esports, you're right because they are not one of the, the major five, they're going to struggle to find your major dollars that are coming into it. And they will definitely get all your the traditional ones that you would in any sort of up-and-coming esports uh, title, which, you know, is mainly PC hardware providers, uh, you know, whether it be peripherals or something like this. They always go because they just, you know, they're friendly to everybody. I actually, I love them because they're just like, you know what? You're helping gaming. 
we're going to help you. It doesn't matter what you build, we're still going to help you. Uh, so I think that's fantastic. So, uh, but you're not going to get that major dollars, and that's what they're, they're really looking for. You're not going to get that without the the big audience, the big press. And a lot of times, people forget that the big audience and big press that have gone to a lot of these um, these major five for esports doesn't necessarily mean that the people watching them or the people playing those titles are the people who are spending in those brands that are actually sponsoring it because they don't have the data to even understand what the correlation between those profiles are and what the um, even like the viewership, where they're spending, what they're doing, what's the performance of this. So this is where I'd say like if you do, if you are building an esports based title or building it towards that, intrinsic ads are definitely something that you can start getting this brand dollars into your title very easily. So you just, you're monetizing off the player base and eventually you're gonna be monetizing off streams and so forth as well. Uh, but then when they do that, if you're thinking around this, like I've said during the presentation, you need to start thinking about brand safety. So what are you building? And I can say for a start, like, you know, violent, anything to do with violent shooters. And I mean, that my definition of violent, if I play Counter-Strike, I would just say that's competitive gameplay now. I wouldn't even say that's violent shooter, but, my perspective on that is different to a lot. If terrorist, I mean, that's but, but I mean, but a lot of brand safety guidelines, they'll say, well, no, it's still violent, so we, we can't put something in there. So just keep in mind that if you are building a shooter as a competitive gameplay, um, that 50% of brands immediately won't go in there just because it is that style. However, if you're thinking of anything in competitive sports, you're thinking of anything in racing, uh, it's casual, funny and you're converting that into an esports title or it's a, uh, a competitive play, you'll almost have entire brand support. You need to understand who your player base is. And this is where we provide the tools to actually understand who your player base is. And I'm not just saying uh, we had 50,000, 100,000 DAU and we think they're from these five regions. You need to have the data to go back. And this is, this is our job. You need to have that data. And we go back and we say, once you've implemented our tools, we can say, this is what it is worth. This is why, this is who they are. This is where they go. This is what they do. We don't know who they are individually. However, we can provide a picture to these brands. Like, yes, you are going to get ROI in this. Yes, you are going to get value. And that's how you funnel that money into those games that are up and coming. So Oblitus Games has a, a, a good question. And so how does this factor in to events so i mean obviously you've got these core events that happen per game but you've got things like evo which incorporate multiple games into one big gigantic you know fighting game competition how does the how do advertisers look at that like it's a just a regular sporting event or how how does that differ? Um, it depends on where it's actually where it's being shown as well. It's it, like I'm seeing here uh, in that question, of, like relative to the MMA and UFC. These sorts of things are interesting as well. And I imagine we're not talking about licensed property because licensed property is usually something entirely in its own. Uh, 
say for instance, if you were doing uh, the UFC titles that EA does, if you're doing anything like Madden or NHL, uh, they're licensed. You know that it's the deal was done at the start of the season. They can't show anything in the game that's not even being done in the season uh, because it's already been agreed upon. So you can't be really be putting anything in there. Now, if these games are sporting and they've been mashed up and it's a bunch of different things, and and I got I got to say I'm not familiar with Evo, uh, but if, it's huge. Okay, yeah. <laughs> So I'm I'm in that that categorization of uh, I'm in the 50% category where I like playing PUBG, uh, Call of Duty, and uh, then you know take me into Command and Conquer and Age of Empires or something like that. So I can sit there and play Command and Conquer Generals for hours. But uh, as far as games uh, go, when you start talking about these dollars that are coming into it. I wouldn't say it's a case by case basis. There's definitely some best practices around where this the ads can go, what types of brand safety requirements are in there. Uh, and I mean, if somebody has a question relative to putting something in, I'd encourage you to reach out and we'd be more than happy to step you through how and why and, uh, and where things could be done and why it would be done in that manner. So I'll, I'll give you one of the reasons why Evo is an interesting event and so one of it they let's see if i can put this in perspective imagine there is a you know multi-time a year huge live event i mean they bring but it just finished up at mandalay bay in, in vegas but instead of saying okay this is the dota world championships or this is the csgo world championships it was like we're doing an event and it's it's cover it's shooters it, it covers you know, everything from Fortnite to CSGO to Overwatch. Uh, okay, so Evo is more of a, you call it a conference. It's yeah, a conference. It's, yeah for, for lack of a better word. But here's the thing. It's like they bring in, I'm looking, I didn't see what their lineup was this year until just now. So yeah, I believe just appreciate that. Um, they don't just focus on the big games they have indie games that are featured so they had them fighting herds which i'll admit street I, fighter. like I street did. fighter has a huge following in this space yeah, yeah. And, and they have skull they had a skull girls competition which is a major indie event so mm-hmm. the part of my frustration and it's not just with ad ad, advertising companies it's with all different kinds of companies that come in from outside of our little sphere yeah it's that they immediately look at okay I saw that on the news. We need to advertise in that. Is there that is awareness the for stuff like this? I mean, no, it's not. Uh, that and that's that's exactly driving back to the problem that I that I talk about. And we talk about every day um, when we're saying uh, you're going to go into you know you build it build out saying they they want to do a deployment or an insertion and they're going into whatever. We we like to encourage them to not look at titles but look at genres and verticals and if they want to be in these verticals of categorization then that's where they should be going um you shouldn't just be thinking oh i i i I know my kid plays fortnite and i've seen it on tv so fortnite's the one it goes into but fortnite relatively to this global scale and size relatively to all the different categories that are out there audiences that's not just where you should be. Yeah, sure, you can go Fortnite. And if you have the spare 20, 30 million to, to put into one event for one day, go for it. But you're not going to get the ROI that you're expecting. Just like be aware of this. 
But what we suggest is that you should be looking at these other verticals, these other titles, the ones, because a lot of these, these firms, all these agencies, a lot of the, the big advertisers, I dare say not all of them are gamers uh, and they think it's still a 15-year-old boy in a basement. I've literally had that said to me. Uh, you've got to educate them. And that's on us. Like we are educating the industry that uh, that gaming in itself is as diverse as the entire human race. So please understand that you need to learn some more and that there is value in all these different corners of gaming. Do you have a job opening for somebody to just go around to these different agencies and beat them with a baseball bat until they understand? Well, I'll say, I thought, you know, until you added the beat with a baseball bat, I was like, actually, yes. <laughs> you added that and I was like, I don't think that was in the job description. It's, um, it, it, it's, uh, sales encouragement. That's, that's what, that's it, because it is, it's one of the is things that's that bonus. So, is, that, is that a bonus? I'm not sure. I think it's a bonus. I'll, I'll do it for free. Yeah. Um, it, it is, it's one of those things that I want to see. I started in this industry 25 years ago because I was a gamer, not because I knew the first thing about business, you know, it was because I was a gamer and I'm still a gamer. And I realized that to get to that next level and continue to grow like we have, you know, we're going to need these advertisers, but at the same time, they need to understand us and, and, and yeah. what, happens in the industry and so i've got like six more questions and we don't even have time for them uh so one if you've got a question that we haven't got to and i'm gonna drop all my questions in in chat as well and let jonathan you know parse through them but or you can find me find me in pubg or Later, like, I, I stop playing PUBG. There's too many freaking hackers, you know. It's, oh, you mean it's not the bots that are pissing you off. Nah, no, I can kill the bots. You know, Come on, man. Come on, that's the ones that I have a problem with. But as long as you're playing first person, it's okay. They can't shoot one. Well, I mean, they can, unless you've been killed by a frying pan from 500 meters away through a wall. You know, I'm just like. What the I, I know all of these things happen in an evolution and, and we mm -hmm. can't get advertisers to, you know, immediately wake up and, and see what the problems are. But, you know, the two main things that, that that cause problems for indie teams are discoverability and funding. Mm -hmm. And if these companies would realize, you know, not only what the opportunity is in games outside of the big five, whatever. And I don't even know they're five. I just literally made up that number, but you know, the ones that we always hear about, it's about 10, but yeah. <laughs> it would be an absolute game changer. As long as we don't go back to the old advert games, because nobody liked those and, huh. and we get it, but that's the mentality. They were weird. They were they really weird. It's like, you just literally slapped, you know, but when it comes to you brought up a good point about CSGO being, you know, violent versus not violent, mm. where do they tend to draw the line? Because, you know, brand look to brand. 100 percent brand to brand. Uh, they all have different policies. And like my my personal opinion is on this. And I mean, I haven't been affected by it in any way. And they definitely have to be culturally sensitive, politically sensitive. So there's a lot of things. And sometimes it is just too hard for them internally to get executive support to take that risk and even understand that in the gaming space, as gamers, we see 
CSGO as being, yeah, it's just fun. Like it's just, we're playing competitively. However, for someone who's not a gamer, all they see is a violent shooter. So we do, we do need to understand the both sides of the coin. Uh, I think with time, there will be more and more brands that are coming out of that 50% category for shooters and they'll be moving more into it's accepting that understand it's a game space, but we're in a learning curve and that's very much on us. Like we are, taking huge strides towards making sure that the brands understand that this space is gaming. This space is for gamers. You got to understand your audience. This is not just, you know, how we feel like doing it. They'll have to deal with it. No, because gamers won't put up with that. The gamers will just will not play the game and go somewhere else. So the, if, you if just tanked your own medium. There yeah, you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is why we're really like, like, sitting there encouraging and understanding and learning and teaching these brands. And you'd be surprised, like Fortune 500s are totally coming around to this, like understanding and spending the time and investing the teams and efforts to actually, and bring, even bringing in and hiring people to understand what we're actually talking about here. Because again, it's not, I, I, I don't want to make this just a focus around shooters because it's definitely not, but they need to understand the, I guess you'd say gamers as a, as a profile or who people are because gamers are massively diverse as well. And the same person generally sits in certain categories of games. Uh, whereas you don't see, um, you don't see, like, I'm not going to go and play, well, personally, I don't play you know, PUBG, Call of Duty, and um, say, for instance, I do play Counter-Strike, Valorant I play as well, but then I'm not going to go and play League of Legends. Like I tend to stick in my own lane. So if you want to actually hit certain people or hit certain buying groups, which have you know, disposable income, whether they are younger, older, you're going to have to diversify into different verticals. So you're going to have to venture into the shooters. You're going to have to venture into racing. But if, if you do this, you go into the different categories, understanding you're getting different audience bases. And that doesn't just mean for PC, obviously mobile is, uh, the prevalence of that is, is massive. Mobile is huge. Like we have a huge emphasis on mobile because we understand the audience and the, the shift and that we're not just focusing on North America here, we're focusing on the world because uh, you know North America or EMEA in Europe and uh, say Australia, the devices are totally different to what we see in other regions of the world. So we want to make sure that we give an even balance and even uh, technology offering and an even uh, a voice for every, every player everywhere. And these brands actually value that everywhere. So just to watch the, the advertisers heads explode. Have you showed yeah, pretty you, funny. The farm simulator esports league in Europe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's this is what I don't. This is what I don't get. And, and it's I will absolutely take that job of going to the advertising companies and and beating them with a baseball bat until they understand our industry. It is that's part of the reason that so many gamers are against ads in games. Yeah. It's because they're done so poorly. And these adver it, it takes companies doing like what, what you all are doing to say, okay, slow down. We're not just going to slap a MasterCard logo anywhere we want to in the game. It has to be done, you know, with an ounce of, of thought in it. We have to but, care. 
if you, you actually genuinely have to care and that's the problem is yeah. a lot of people haven't it's been purely about a dollar and there's such a thing that you can care and you can actually care about both sides and have a medium in the middle where they can actually have a, a good experience with a player at the end of the day here like doesn't matter what gets developed it seems to be developer and advertiser would be the ones who win and the players are just the ones who get like railroaded so you want to make sure that the player is fundamentally first and foremost like what's the experience is the experience good great we're on the right track is the developer getting value from this yes they are okay fantastic that means then the advertiser if they're getting value everybody's happy but the player has to come first all right, one last question, and then I'm gonna. We got to get ready. So, for those of you out there, stick around, follow or like or whatever the correlation is on wherever you're watching. That way, you'll get an update. We've got this is our last day. We got some, got some big events coming up. Uh, Alan Noon is next. He's a lead evangelist over at Epic, and he's going to be talking about best practices for your Epic Mega Grant application, which you know is a small hundred million dollar initiative that. Um, that Epic's doing because apparently they have some game going on that makes them a ton of money. Um, I'm not, well, it's good. They're giving back. They like, that's, I, like, and that's, that's one thing like that. If they're making it and they're actually giving back to the develop, uh, developer community, uh, that's fantastic. So I can really endorse that. All right. So, and damn it. I already forgot what my question was. I had a good one. Ah, crap. All right, I'm going to have to come up. I, I, I'll, I'll drop it in chat. I got not enough coffee in me yet, and I can't remember what that question was that I had. So anyway, all right. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I got it now. How have advertisers viewed streaming so far outside of, you know, traditional, I'm either going to run an ad in Twitch or I'm going to, you know, send somebody a... <clears throat> video because you literally literally have more people watching these games being played than in some cases are even playing them mm. that is a you break down the numbers and I'll, I'll be blunt uh you break down the numbers of the people playing them who are streaming them yes very few the number of people watching them you know you may get what like globally 50 100 million combined across multiple platforms. Well, there's 2.7 billion people playing every day for 15 minutes or more. Have a guess whether the majority of the dollars are going to go regardless of how big they make that industry. That's a good point. All right. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for getting up early and doing this. And I absolutely, I'll, I'll send you something offline i'd love to have you and carrie on the podcast later so we could keep this conversation going because i love it like i said this is something that i believe in but i also believe it needs to be done right but i believe that the people bringing it in need to understand what we go through yeah. we do so yeah um thank you very much yeah do you no have your, your contact info on that slide the uh, i can't remember. i'll just let people bombard you and you can you can take care of it. Yeah. Send me the slide deck. We'll get it added. Uh, Jonathan is in our Discord. So go to discord.gg slash indie game business. You can ask him questions there. We have a, a wonderful after session channel in there that you can hop into.
Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.